when you listen to the show, if we are wrong or we don't know what we're talking about, that is perfectly fine. And you can correct us anywhere you want on Twitter, on Instagram, or on Facebook. You can find us at Not A Historian Podcast or at Not Historians. That's fine because we just jump on the internet, go to the library, talk to people, watch some interviews, and do the basic research we can just to show that two average Joes can do it. Exactly. We're not historians. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Well, maybe he walked around with jelly beans. That's what it is. Maybe he walked around with jelly I think beans so. I think he, and he was at the crime scene and stuff and be like, nah, see, nah, I got these jelly beans, see, nah. We're just two dudes that came up with an idea and we said we should know more about the everyday world around us, like why are beer bottles the shape they are. In 1930, the Republican-controlled House of Representatives, in an effort to alleviate the effects of the, anyone, anyone, the Great Depression. Get ready to take notes, boys and girls. It's another edition of the Not Historians Podcast, with your hosts, Desmond Dunn and Shalom Agulavin. I keep my song in my soul, bless my heart and made it go, top of our heads to tip of our toes. We're untouchable. I like it. It's thanks. Yes. Today we're talking about the FBI and the man Elliot Ness. Indeed. Now, there may be some people that originally heard that title and go, well, what are you doing? You're obviously not historians. <laughs> we'll get to that part. We'll get to the part because we are not, we are, we are not historians. We are but, definitely not historians. But we know what's wrong with the title. Trust us, that's what the show's about, so calm down. Correct. Yes. Ah, okay. Uh, I was wondering where you were going with that for a minute, but it, it clicked at the last minute. I. Yep, you're right. All right. This is going to be actually, I think, one of our last gangster shows. Hell, it might be the last gangster show we release. <laughs> uh, we record these out of order. We do. In secretness. <laughs> I mean, Guys, sorry, we're having we're having a good time because it's actually been about a month and a half since we recorded. <laughs> we're just cracking up because no one knows this. This is it's so funny to us because everyone's like, "I really like the episode you guys did last week," and we're like, yeah. "We did not meet last That's week, not week at all." We forget that we've released episodes because we even scheduled the releases. So uh, these things all happen on automation. You might even be hearing our ghost. <laughs> we don't know. I, well, man. Um, so there's been a yeah. common thread that runs throughout this whole season, besides prohibition and crime. Oh yeah, what's that? Law enforcement. That is correct. And, and the, the law, lack thereof. And the law, but the or the what, ineptitude. Either one, but the one two that have interested the, me the, the one most, two the one two yeah the one or two that have interested <laughs> me the most have been incarceration in the prison system because it's so. Out foreign to me in <laughs> modern context, right? And the FBI, because we see like all these different agencies, and then the FBI comes out of them, right? And it's birthed about the same time that we kind of stop covering things. I mean, I get it. So, uh, we've mentioned them a few times, and they deal with you know, prohibition and depression era. They're America's good guys, right? Right? When the GI Joes don't really exist and SEAL Team 6 is busy, you think of the FBI. I don't, but you know what? That, that works. Well, some that's people what I'm writing my notes. So that's what's happening. <laughs> Damn. Uh, I, there's some things, though, I think that I'm ignorant of. And honestly, I'm ashamed to admit because, well, I, I've seen a lot of articles and read a lot of stories about the FBI from time to time. Hold on. Pause real quick for just yes. a minute. What kind of phone is that that you're using? 
This is an LG V20. Oh, okay. Because, man, it looks like your expensive iPad. Like this. So, Desmond has this, uh, this 17 inch iPad. Uh, you might have had the 10 inch iPad. You might have had the small iPad mini or whatnot. But Desmond has like this 17 and a half TV style, like uh, mini TV style iPad. It's ridiculous. I mean, you can play video games, read the news, watch TV all at the same time on this goddamn iPad. Are you serious? It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a like it's, it's like a twelve thirteen inch iPad and and the phone is about the same size. <laughs> I mean, golly, uh, you can read the encyclopedia, the entire Encyclopedia Britannica with that thing. That's no, crazy. No, it's like, very good. I like, like the all phone. Of it. You told me to get an Android phone. I got an Android phone. What do you want? Welcome back to the land of Android. Yeah, it's all right. I miss the software a little bit. Hardware is nice. <laughs> Anyway, there were some things that I was ignorant of about the FBI, even though yeah. I looked at it. Because even their own publications and, I guess, the histories of and people that talk about the time period that we look at this season, a lot of them seem to blur the lines because there's a lot of agencies and name changes oh, into yeah. what evolves into the FBI. So, I think we should probably start there and then get to Elliot Ness. Yeah, like the Bureau because of Investigation. So, if you probably figured it out. Uh, the FBI stands for the Federal Bureau of Investigation. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. At some point it does. But it actually started out as the NBCI, which is not part of the National Broadcasting. So I was absolutely Internet, about no, to ask. It was the National Bureau of Criminal Identification. The hell kind of nonsense is that? Why do you want to identify criminals? Why not arrest criminals? Well, because the problem was that you had all the little states and municipalities and localities that all... I feel criminal. like you just wanted to rhyme some words. Municipalities and, and localities. <laughs> they all work together. But the problem is they don't have the internet like today. So oh, if you've got true. photos and identification of somebody in a criminal record in Oregon and you do a crime in Florida. How do you know, correlate the two? Okay, yeah, yeah. So they, they kind of got this National Bureau thing going on. Uh, it was created in 1897, which either seems really late or really early. I can't decide which. <laughs> it's really late, man. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it, really late. It seems like they should have. It's like Rogers Rangers, like Army Rangers existed during like the Civil War time. I mean, uh, Revolutionary War times, not historians. <laughs> yeah, so to cut that they, they come in. At this point, I feel like you should definitely have... Like a national investigative branch that works with localities and places to help them track and record criminal information in a central yeah. database repository. That should have been I'm a just thing. saying. It should have been a thing for several years at that point. Yeah, and it was it was formed in Chicago by the National Chiefs of Police Union, which I guess the so Chiefs guess, of Police have their own union. I mean, I guess the regular police union. I guess they do a lot of stuff in in Chicago, which I mean, Chicago seems to be the the pinnacle, the epicenter rather for a lot of things. It's a happening yeah. joint. I mean, I guess so. It, it was the goal. The goal of the organization was organizing, maintaining, and sharing criminal and forensic information between law enforcement agencies across the country. So I feel like they weren't using any forensic information back then. No, they 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 had whatever the craniology stuff was. Oh, the craniology. Yeah. Phrenology was it? Phrenology. Phrenology. Yeah. yeah. And uh, maybe maybe some sort of fingerprinting. I don't know. Photographs yeah, and photographs and photographs. Yeah. So they had they had things. Okay. All I don't right. know exactly what forensic technique. If you're out there and you happen to be a forensic historian, give us a call by email. <laughs> That's right. Because we don't have a phone number. Why well, that was uh, awkward, man. Uh, it's going to be a very awkward episode just because it's been so long for me. That's what she said. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> then 
Then came along everyone's favorite president with the monocle. <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> McKinley dies, and he decides to establish an office of investigators investigators that report directly to the Attorney General, AG's office. So, smart. Uh, But Congress wasn't too in on this idea. Uh, Because if you think about it, it sort of sounds like a private police agency, right? We already have cops. We already have state police. We already have marshals. We already have the IRS, Secret Service. Why do we need a special investigative branch that reports to the executive branch only? Hmm. That seems kind of weird, right? Like, they go through the attorney general who goes through you. Right. So, where's... You know, I could see the word there. Checks and balances, yeah. Now, as we've seen, the FBI kind of works out. But... Sure. The hindsight. Well, I mean, they had some struggles to get there, for sure. Yeah. And uh, originally, the idea was that they would take agents from across various federal agencies and just kind of... Unite them into a justice. I kind of like that idea. Yeah, but they ended up having their own agents. Because, I mean, the real idea was that this investigative unit would be just like a joint task force. Right. So, it would be like IRS guys here, prohibition agents here, which I guess technically they're under the same. But anyway. Well, so that, that's a good point you bring up. Yeah, they we'll, 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 get, we'll get to that part because that's going to be an important point. Yep. Uh, but the Bureau of Investigation, the one you mentioned, because that's one of your favorite ones, I think, it was is. born on July 26, 1908. Right. And it had 34 agents. I mean, that's a lot of agents. Yeah, and was headed up by Chief Stanley Finch, a career Department of Justice man. Now, the man that we all know as the director in the heyday of the Bureau, J. Edgar Hoover, Mm -hmm. I'm going to assume that's who were, took charge in 1924. I was still a little late, too, but, I mean, who who determines when you take over? Well, I mean, mean, technically it's not late for the FBI because at the time they were the Bureau (laughs) of Investigations. And then in 1932 it became... The United States Bureau of Investigations. Wow. You got to have it. But don't worry. That didn't last because apparently they didn't like the badges. I don't know. USBI. (laughs) USB. USB. Open the door. I work for USB. USB. Hands up. USBI. It sounds like the next charger we're going to have to buy when you like next year's phones come out. (laughs) I work for USBI. I don't have that cable. Right. Uh, but in 1933, it was renamed again to the Division of Investigation. Yeah, um, that's, that's really weird. Again, did not take, I don't know why none of these names seem to stick very long. In 1935, it got named the Federal Bureau of Investigation. That one seems to have stuck for a while. Yeah, it's working out. Yeah. It's working out. Yeah, it's Almost 100 for a years. I, I hope they like it. You and them both. Um, it'll be like the Willis Tower yeah. or whatever. I'm like, I'm never going to call it that. Uh, nope. I'm good. What you talking about, Willis? No, I'm like the Sears Tower. They're like, what's that? I'm like, mm. what's it called now? What's mm. it called? Like Panic. Mm. I don't remember the name. It's like when they changed the, the Freedom Tower baseball right? stadium. No, no, no. It's it's, it's the Willis. The Willis like, Tower. Okay. Because Chicago is not Freedom Tower is what they named the World Trade Center. That's right. That's right. Anyway, the bureau as it is now maintains over 50 field offices and a whole bunch of more resident offices. That's neat. Cover a list of felonies that would take a lot more time if we had time to list uh, <laughs> than 50. Uh, Mainly, though, their their focus is on uh, counterterrorism and anti-terrorism, espionage, and corruption. So how, okay, counterterrorism and anti-terrorism, those kind of sound like the same thing. Counterterrorism can be, well, you have mitigating and you have stopping. Like, this is... Yeah, okay. So some of it, the counter is to counteract. So yeah. they, they try to... Just things that are already in motion. 
Right. Whereas anti, I view as putting out, pro- I'm using the word here, I hope people take it in the academics, propagating information, propaganda to stop people, educate them on not becoming part of those movements, not radicalizing, not becoming terrorists. But can't that lead to like purple persuasion? It, it can lead to a lot of things. I mean, I'm, not, I'm just saying that this is what I imagine they do, but they also probably do things like make sure that government offices aren't bugged. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, yeah. Afford protection to people that need it. Make sure people's records aren't being hacked. Wait, hold on. So they, they offer insurance? They, sort of. I'm saying, like, I'm but sure it's illegal they do. When, but it's illegal when Al Capone and his groups do it? Well, I'm saying they don't go to your saying it'd be a horrible thing if somebody busted up your house. They go, it would be a horrible thing if somebody busted up your house. We should make sure they can't. So they're selling like a, a real service there. I mean, like, I don't want my senator to have a place that might be bugged or, I mean, you know, tracked yeah. or monitored. Maybe, well, maybe that'll help some of these senators. I mean, well, I mean, by well, a foreign or hostile entity. Okay, all right, that's fair. Yeah, that was all. I, that was all I'm saying. That's to me. That's what the difference is. Obviously, that falls under espionage and maybe corruption. I don't know, but they're all. You can see they're all closely related. I mean, definitely. Which you would want all the things that the FBI is working on to be closely related, right? And then if and the FBI is is pretty much purely focused on the U.S. and U.S. citizens, uh, the CIA yeah. operates as our abroad, right? Yeah. Mm. No, although. They bleed over a little bit just because of the nature of the crimes. And yeah, I feel activities. like saying they bleed over is probably a poor choice of words. There, well, I'm not saying that way. I'm saying like the, the CIA can investigate on American soil. It's not like they just don't right. have the ability. The FBI obviously goes to other countries. It's not that they can't. I've always wanted to be like an FBI agent who walks in, or a CIA agent actually, that walks in and tries to take over a crime scene that the FBI is working. And, so, and they say, hey, what are you doing here? I'm like, we have jurisdiction. This is our jurisdiction. You're gonna go ahead and share the scene with us, or something like some nonsense like that. I want to. I've always wanted to say that. Have you always wanted to see the inside of a jail cell? <laughs> <laughs> I've, never been, I've, never, I've never been in a federal penitentiary before. Thank you. This was wonderful. So someone full of DMX and, and impersonated an FBI officer. That's exactly what DMX did. That's how oh, he ended up in jail. I'm gonna pass on that one, man. I think I'm gonna pass. I'm gonna hard pass on. I that. mean, like, the, but the FBI really does go out there. I mean, people think yeah. it's just a USA, but I think there's 75. Yeah, maybe more offices outside the U.S. that they operate. Okay. Of course, those are for usually for the sake of uh, embassies, personal security, people working there, diplomats, and U.S. citizens, like to help in the event that something happens. Right. They need it. Um, so it's it's generally a national police force for investigating major crimes and crimes against the nation. Well, yes, yeah. that's how it should be. They do help with things like kidnapping across state borders. Like they step in at a fairly early age of what you would consider federal. Uh, to me, mm-hmm. but they, they don't interfere and interject themselves normally into everyday investigations. Okay. Things that you would consider minor. Uh, for instance, the Treasury, the, the Secret Service, deals with counterfeiting. Right. You might think in small time if somebody tries to pass a bill in like a gas station or a McDonald's, but you will get a call from the U.S. Secret Service because it's actual national property. The dollar bill is U.S. Right. currency. Therefore, it's a federal crime. Right. So they will step in and do that. So it's interesting to see where some of these agencies step in and where they don't. Because something, yeah. most for the most part, if you get a parking ticket, you're not going to get pulled over by an FBI agent. That's just ridiculous. I mean, that would be very ridiculous. But yes, I agree with you. But if you kidnap someone, take them across state lines, or have a hostage situation or a massive shootout, 
Yeah. The FBI will definitely be involved. Step up and so now we've run down the basics of the FBI. Because yeah. this is not an episode about the entire history of the FBI. That would be a little bit weird, I think, to do because uh, so much of the FBI is tied into the crimes that we're witnessing. And I think we've shown the need for this kind of yes agency based on how these guys we've, – we've often asked the question on the show this season. How did they just take up a new name and move to a new city? Right, exactly that. And the answer is because they could. Right. And this is how they could. And so the FBI kind of made that – you know, makes the it harder on that, right? When yeah. when they when you have a place that you can actually report to, mm-hmm. like background checks go through them and things like that, right. security clerks. So you can call in and you say, "Hey, I got this guy. His yeah. name's Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, he claims to be the president of the United States. Wears a monocle. This is weight, height, everything. Can you, you know, hook him out? And they check him out. Say, yeah, that's the president. That's the president. Yeah. So I hope that that answers a little bit of a question you've had because I know it answers. I, I mean, yeah, I still don't understand the prison system of the time. I mean, really, honestly, I don't either. It, it, you can be let out on good behavior, like super good behavior. Yeah. It's like you have an eight-year sentence, but I know you've only done three weeks. But honestly, <laughs> you mopped the shit out of that floor, so we're going to let you have a little bit of latitude. Go it's ahead like, and go I out mean, in the public. The warden that gave his keys away. Yeah, he'll be back. Yeah, no, he'll be back. Like I, I mean, damn, that that was dumb. Yeah, I wonder if there's a central repository hint there's not on things like that. We should do we should do something like that. We should do a show, maybe a wrap up show at some point in time where we talk about all the stupid things that law enforcement has done in and the criminals. Past. And I, criminals. I, I think the criminals strike me as like the most dumb. Well, because criminals are, are desperate sometimes. Well, because like well, the yes. cops, it's like oh they're dumb and they might have got shot and they might end up getting killed or whatever, and that's all horrible. I mean, but at the same time, horrible. none of the none of the criminals end up well. No, no, they don't. With the exception of uh, well, see what Luciano makes it out right. Yeah, he, well, he did. Yeah, I mean, out of but, the game at least. Yeah, and there's there's a few guys in the background that don't get really big stories because they don't become famous in this time period. So this yeah. guy doesn't make it out, uh, but. Yeah. Obviously, the law enforcement, it's harder uh, for them. And it's amazing to think of how they had to do the job back then, if you've ever looked into it. Because when you said earlier, forensics didn't exist, really. Yeah, right. I mean, not not Uh, anywhere near like they did Nowhere near, yeah, what we have today. They had their own level. And, of course, they were masters of working with it. That's what they did for a living. Yeah. So, they made it work. They still caught these criminals, but using it. Think of how amazing you'd have to be to be able to pull that off. Uh, you'd have to be pretty amazing. Like, without computers, without cellular phones, like, coordinating. Just coordinating a massive effort, like, yeah. bringing people down. Like, uh, the people that keep asking when we're going to do Bonnie and Clyde. And I'm like, I, uh, I don't know that we're going to do Bonnie and yeah. Clyde in this. Mm. One, I don't know how much of theirs is bore out of the same kind of depression <sighs> prohibition that we're talking about. I feel like, and researching and looking at that story, it's a different type of... Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we can cover it if we if we get asked. Eventually, that, but, we yeah. I think it'll be an episode, but, yeah, but we have to find something, a take on it, like Al Capone, like we did yeah. with Capone. There has to be something that catches interest. I don't think fitting it into this season works. I don't either. Because I think that my angle on it is much more about the symbiotic relationship that they have with each other. Right. And <laughs> how they just, like, that ride or die. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what season or... What topic? It'll probably just have to be a random episode one day. Which I'm sure is fine. I mean... Uh, it will be fine. <laughs> we control this, actually. That's true. No. Uh, so, anyway, the FBI does it. So, what yeah. does the FBI 
have to do with the man that we're talking about now. The man that people think brought down Al Capone, which he helped bring down Al Capone, but he didn't he did. bring. He wasn't single-handedly. He was probably the best name. Oh, yeah. He, he was the face. <clears throat> thanks to probably his own efforts. Yes, actually. I would say he's pretty close to the Machine Gun Kelly level Ooh. of uh, self-promotion. Pop Gun Kelly. Although he really did the stuff he talks about. Elliot the name next. I mean, maybe it not as much as he says, but there's a lot more to back it up than it was Kelly's. Right. But he does have his own kind of propaganda machine rolling. Uh, with oh, him. yeah. Elliot Ness, leader of the Untouchables, right? This, right. This, we know this. Kevin Costner played him in a movie. We're all aware of who he is. Yes, yes, we are. Uh, now, coincidentally enough, Elliot Ness was actually born in Chicago. I'm telling you, everything happens in Chicago. Oh, it did for Elliot Ness. He went to school there. He graduated from the University of Chicago. He worked as an insurance investigator there. Yeah. He earned his master's in criminology there. Oh, he was criming. He was a criming master. Uh, maybe an anti-crime master. Because I don't know how your your linguistics works out. Your new speak in this doesn't work for that's, me. That's so fair. That's fair. Uh, so... That's Elliot Ness, right? The guy, he's a Chicago guy, anti-crime. He's the anti-component. That's what a lot right. of people put him up at. So what does he have to do with the FBI, right? Obviously, when you hear Elliot Ness, you think of Elliot Ness flashing his FBI badge and raiding liquor stills and knocking down doors, and right? Um, well, I mean, that's, no, that's not what I see. But yeah, okay, it is what I see. Is it? Is it? it, it is. All right, well, here's, here's the part of that that's. Going to be a little bit wrong. It's going to be wrong for a lot of people listening. It was wrong for me when I read it. Ness was actually a prohibition agent, an agent of the Bureau of Prohibition within the Treasury Department, and never worked for the FBI. So that's really odd. Elliot Ness was a G-man, but he was not an FBI man. Yeah. He did not work for the Bureau. That's weird. Okay. Well, he worked for the Bureau, but he worked for the Bureau of Prohibition. He's a probie. I feel like you wanted to say Proby. Pro, I've been trying to work Proby into as many episodes as I can and never uh, works. So I'm hoping that one sticks. I mean, I think that will stick. Yeah. It's nice. Well played. So how did he end up becoming known as the man who went against Al Capone? So I think it was all propaganda. You know what I mean? Like him and his team, the of the Untouchables, were going after him. Uh, they were looking into to government documents. Right, right. They were stuff. going there, but why? Why was? Well, how did he become the man? Like, what set that ball in motion that Elliot Ness would be? And it's pretty straightforward. It's what happens to most of us when we go to work in a normal day. We become dedicated to our job. No, no. Uh, the president told oh. his boss's boss's boss. Oh, uh, go get Al Capone. Oh, and it went down the chain. Yeah, and they said Elliot Ness. Go get out Capone. You know, mm. uh, told him because bureaucracy. So that's how he ended up. I mean, obviously, he was the man for the job and all that. Right. Uh, but, yeah, it wasn't like there was a special edict from on high that Elliot Ness must go and mm. capture Al Capone as the top crime fighter in the nation. Mm. Uh, he was not Captain America. He was just an average uh, Bureau of Prohibition agent. Kind of like Spider-Man. Who was doing a good job and got... Moved up. Now, I've told you that he didn't work for the FBI, but he did work right. for, for the Bureau of Prohibition, which probably makes you go, wait a minute. Then how the hell did Al Capone get brought down for tax evasion have to work with Elliot Ness being a prohibition agent? Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it threw me for a loop, right? Because I'm like, well, if he didn't work for the FBI and he didn't work for the IRS... 
Who did he work for? He worked in the Treasury Department, though. So there's that. Yeah, okay. Which explains the tax evasion. Which, yeah, that's what I was thinking. But, but this is, this is, uh, this is where we'll get to. He was, however, part of a team. It was a team effort, uh, within the Department of Treasury where they decided they would target his businesses Mm -hmm. and his actual business. That's to say the physical locations. And then the material money. Yeah. Okay, so that's somebody going through his records, targeting his books, trying to get a crack on that, working in the IRS, which is also part of the treasure. Mm-hmm. And someone in the prohibition, Ness, busting down doors, kicking in doors, smashing up steels, bringing people in, more as a disruption and a way to keep Capone, you know, occupied yeah. in what do you, what's the word I'm looking for here? Distract, and not distracted so much as uh, aggravated. He's, he's drawing okay. aggro. He's drawing aggro. Wow. That's what's happening. Elliot Ness <clears throat> is a tank for the uh Is a the tank. He's a tank for the U.S. team. If you're, you're, right. if you're playing. You're right. If you're playing. If you got, if you got a MOBA going on, that's what he's doing. Uh, and you, you know, you got your you got your healer. I don't know who's the healer. Telly Roosevelt? Uh, um, yeah. I don't maybe. know. I don't know. Huh. But your tank is definitely Elliot Ness. Yeah. I mean, I, but, so, okay. All right. But he's still working for the Treasury Department, right? He's working for the Treasury Department in tandem with the IRS. His prohibition and IRS. So that's how he helps. He's not actually doing the tax evasion stuff himself. Yeah. That's two other, well, one other in the team of people that you get their names mentioned. And we probably, we'll get to that point, I think. Yeah. Uh, so they would disrupt the businesses and keep Capone focused on that and kind of distract him. If a man's lighting your steel's on fire and cracking down your team and stealing your money... You don't watch the books as much as you were because you don't have as much time. Exactly. Again, it's just general distraction and aggravation and everything. And Ness was really good at prohibiting people. He he was super good at it. Mm -hmm. He actually became chief investigator for the Prohibition Bureau for Chicago. Yeah, so I read somewhere that Ness didn't really even care about the – he wasn't a fan of the uh, Prohibition law at all. Ness was a horrible drunk in part of his life. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And was a known drinker throughout it. Uh, I'm not trying to slander him here in this part, but that's just the facts. Mm. He, he had a drinking problem. Um, it caused him a lot of strife. And yeah. So I don't know his personal feelings on prohibition. I didn't really worry what that, I guess. Yeah. But what did you hear that he was, his take on it? Cause I would yeah. like to know. And I think it was like a lot of that because. He he did it because it was the law. That's why he enforced it. Right. But he was he was known to be out drinking. Yeah, I, I wondered about that because he really. I, once I found out about his later years, yeah, after it was in the later years. Let me point that out. His prohibition when he did it. Did he abide the law when it was there? Because he was such a heavy drinker later on. Well, I often wondered if he how he dealt with that. So he's always referred to in anything that I've found, any documents that I've seen. As as kind of the uh, above reproach, staunch, yeah, government man. See, that's you know? this is the thing. Elliot Ness becomes this uncorruptible. He uh, yeah, that's literally he's the kind of guy that not only is he, he when I said he's not Captain America in a lot of ways he is morally sure. Uh, he's got that big Boy Scout kind of image, and he really does it. it I couldn't find anything that kind of counteracted that theory. Yeah, that. Elliot Ness was above reproach. Like, you could bribe him, you could trick him, he had a skeleton in his closet. Doesn't seem to be the case. Right. 
seems like he was legit. And I think, did he ever touch a drink? Maybe. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, sure. Well, I mean, during Prohibition, maybe, I mean, possibly. I, <clears throat> but was he doing it? I don't think so. I think he respected yeah. the law. Well, I feel like, I find it hard to believe that he would not have had a drink at all. Uh, especially because you don't develop a drinking problem in one night. Well, maybe it was the collectiveness of those years of prohibition. Well, I think that and the fact that at the end, he kind of realized, well, what do I have left? What, what do I, this is what made me famous. How do I continue this path? Yeah, well, I mean, we're talking about his later years because, I mean, we're talking about LNS. I want right. a general view of the FBI, mm-hmm. general view of LNS. Yeah. Because they're important, I, I guess, agree. microchasms of the, of the whole, of the whole law enforcement mm-hmm. scene at the time. That was my idea when I came up with this episode. I really don't know. It's going off the rails a little bit, but we're all right. Because <laughs> here's the going thing. Going off the rails on this crazy train. Two songs in one <laughs> show, ladies and gentlemen. You have witnessed uh, it. Uh, he was really good at the prohibition and finding these places and doing these places. I think he was by the law. I think he maybe snuck a drink here and there, but I don't think he was an alcoholic. I don't think he was going out. To not at that phase. I agree with you. Yeah. I think during his time, he was probably Johnny Law. Uh, yeah, I agree. Not Johnny Dangerous. I mean, and that's kind of a thing. Capone was rumored to have offered him three or four times his salary. Oh, like, I mean, in order to just kind of go yeah, away. Yeah, the amount of well, not just him. Like the his people were told they would find the equivalent to like a grand a week, yeah. easy. Uh, some of them much more. We'll get we'll get to that part. But they were no. told they would find like these whole salaries on their desk weekly. Yeah, if they would just. Look the other way. And, and man, none of them took it. Which kind of, and, and the kind of what I know about this, the Elliot and that story in general is because he picked the team himself. Oh, he picked the team himself. And that's what I'm saying. Like, he had such a morality. It's like, it's like Superman forming the Justice League, mm-hmm. which strangely enough, Superman did form just. But anyway, uh, right. here's the thing. He's, he, he can tell it in other people. Like, knows yeah. the telltale signs of a good man. And so sad to see his later years because I really do feel from what I researched that during the time period when he was an agent, mm-hmm. he was legit. Oh, no, I agree. And he was legit good at it. And, you know, he busted up Al Capone so well that he found the kinks in the armor. He found that, you know, he was able to do it. Yeah. And others weren't. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, he opened it up so that they could bring him down. Right. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think that. Does he deserve all the credit that he gives? No. That's my opinion. It's his opinion. But he was the guy that, that, that helped, made it possible to bring him down. I agree. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it, it, hadn't hap- it wouldn't have happened the way it happened if he hadn't been doing what he was doing. He gave them their opening. I mean, that's absolutely true. So, a- anyway, he was so good at it, though. Of course, you know, Capone and stuff. Yeah. Uh, that... When it was over, when Prohibition was over, he didn't just live on forever just on that. They actually sent him off to fight moonshining yeah. and, and bootlegging because those still happen. People, have, uh, I'm not sure that people realize that there's different levels of what happens here. Mm-hmm. Like it's still illegal to brew. Oh yeah! Like moonshining is still legal, bootlegging is still legal. So no, from what I and this is kind of what I understood about the law of prohibition at the time, it was like if you had a medical license, you could have or a medical prescription, you could have liquor, and there was nothing in the law that specifically explicitly stated that you could not drink 
liquor. It was you couldn't drink. You couldn't drink alcohol, but you couldn't sell it. Right. And you couldn't manufacture it. That's that's the catch, right? And so there were things that that became. It gets caught up, and it's mostly tax stuff, and mm-hmm. there, and that's why the Treasury Department's getting involved. But yeah, the Volstead okay. Act has a lot of weird ways of handling prohibition. We will probably yes. talk about prohibition for the last episode because it is a winding topic, and we actually had a historian lined up that couldn't make it that was going to explain it to us because we I just mean, got wow. lost. Uh, we tried from the beginning to try to figure out how to talk about it mm-hmm. and the Depression. And those are both topics that I don't think contextually we can analyze and appropriately yeah. present. But we'll do our best. But we're going to try. <laughs> uh, we're going to have a lot of help, is what I mean. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how you put all of this together with Ness. Mm-hmm. How you put the bootlegging and the moonshining and everything you fought against with what we're about to talk about. Because he goes and he goes to rural, like, Tennessee, I think. Is that where he ends up? Yeah, uh, Tennessee. Is it Tennessee? Tennessee, Kentucky, right? Yeah. He ends up there. And uh, he's there for just a little bit after Prohibition ends. I mean, Prohibition ends in 1935. Yeah. He was appointed Cleveland's safety director. And that one really probably was based on experience, but also the whole man that caught Al Capone thing. Right. Or stood up to the mob. Whatever you want to put it. Um and he did a lot more than just make sure that people wore still toes. The word safety director, I don't think, is quite uh, encompassing of what he did. It would, yeah. it would be more like a, I don't want to say chief of police, but he more directed the overall efforts of the city to do it. And that included working with fire chiefs and rescue chiefs and right. uh, police chiefs and commissioners. And, uh, and he, he cleaned up policing. That was really what he was there for. Was Again, he has this image as this upright, upstanding, moral guy. So he did a lot to root out corruption and just complacency and update the techniques that the police were using because he had experience in it. He's like, look at yeah. me. All right? I'm Elliot Ness. You know who I am. Right. Do you know who I am? I mean, but do that's why he's coming in. And it's like, all right, guys, this is the way we should do it. And they're like, well, we think we should do it this way. He's like, right. But then Al Capone's in jail, so do it this way. So that's kind of how I feel I like that's exactly how, how the you meeting, would do it. No, I feel like that's exactly how the meeting went. Yeah, well, maybe. It's like he comes in and they were like, he's like, so you guys are uh, corrupt cops, huh? Like Serpico and them. And they're like, no. And nope. he's like, let me tell you, I have a theory. Um, I'm Elliot Ness. <laughs> My superpower is that I can spot virtue. You're crooked cops. And they're just like. God, awesome. We resign, and they were, he was like, yeah. he's like, by the way, guys, superpowers don't exist. This little police trick for you. <laughs> like, that was... that was While he's picking up their badges. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, the guy that had the, what, spaghetti strainer on his head that they told him was a lie detector with the lights, and he would light yeah. up if he lied, and they just had, like, a remote, and they were like, all right, Bill, did you, did you hide the bodies? He's like, no, and they were like, beep, oh, you lied, Bill, <laughs> you lied. And oh. LNS was just like that. I invented that. <laughs> He used to do it to corrupt cops all the time. That's pretty hilarious. Tell them I had superpowers, and they believe me. <laughs> That's pretty hilarious. Uh, well, what do you do when when the guy comes and he cleans up the city? Yeah, he does a pretty good job of it. There's a few things well, we can get into. Those. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny uh, that he's the Elliot Ness. His corruption is really his thing. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that general law enforcement is his thing. He's not a beat cop. Not an that. investigator, like for the Bureau of Investigation. No, it doesn't take on those kind of crimes. He's good at what he's good at. Sure. He does take on the mob. But again, that falls within his wheelhouse, I feel like. Staying oh, yeah, to the okay. mob, it's like I stood up to Capone. I mean, right. And in say? a city where I say Capone, that means he didn't just stand up to Capone. That means there's also the north side, the south side. Mm-hmm. All the other little gangs in Chicago. I mean, standing up to Chicago's gang problems Jolly. during Prohibition is not like a walk in the park. Okay. No, he's I wouldn't even put it up there with like being a cop in Compton or something. Like, Ooh. Like it's up there. Like, yeah, like no, no, I'm saying there. like here, here it is, and they got money, right? Right. But these guys have bought off the mayor, the city council. Yeah. He's living over in Cicero. He's got he owns the town. That's fortress. Right. I know there's some areas that are pretty close, but I just feel like in the day and age when you just like drive up and invent the drive by. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> um, when you're having things that are remembered as massacres, like. A hundred years later. Yeah, that's a big deal. You did you did some shit. That's true. And he stood up to that. So that's not a small task to be the dude that went up against that. To be the dude that went up against that and got offered like what's probably millions of dollars in today's money and still said, No, I'd rather go up against that. Yeah. Because I think it's wrong. And that's that's so weird because I kinda I kinda noticed that there was if there was a blemish that we found upon Elliot Ness's name, other than him being a drunk. It was uh, there was one situation in which he he t- he looked the other way, and this is after Capone was out of the op- or out of the picture. He looked the other way in regards to one of these speakeasies and whatnot that was in existence or a brewery, brewery, brewery. I have to cut that brewery. He looked the other way. You're gonna leave that shit in there, aren't you? <laughs> I was thinking about it. Anyway, he he looked the other way. For a brewery, he he did. He looked the other way, and this didn't come out until until recently. There's some uh, released records because the the uh, freedom the of freedom of, freedom of information act, right? There's some releasing information documents between J Edgar Hoover's FBI and Elliot Ness, and also some of the uh, investigators in Chicago, that bureau, that department. And there's just been some discussion and whatnot back and forth in regards to Elliot Ness as a person. And I read those on the FBI. Yeah. You can actually read these. They're, uh, they're on the FBI, on the FBI vault. vault. Yeah. yeah. Online, you can go in and check them. They have a whole file on Elliot Ness. Yeah, and it may be a little sad to kind of read yeah. that, read through it because, you know, Elliot Ness being the upstanding moral character that or he is, I or mean, was rather. And the FBI goes through your life with a fine tooth comb. Under J. Edgar Hoover, no less. They are well, going to find what they're going to find. So, what's weird about it is. The and I think we could just take a moment to talk yeah, about this tangent. What's weird about it is, um, Ness actually applied for the FBI, which is the weird, the weird oh, connection yeah, he, at the he end. Did, he did apply, but yeah. he, uh, what was it, the salary, right? Right. And his ties to the media, I think, were what, S- what, what, what the, they the quoted. Right. So yeah. let me give you a little bit more background based on the, the what I found out from the FBI files, uh, the FBI vault. So there was a discussion had because the FBI is going all the way around the country kind of hearing all these exploits of uh, or hearing the good news of all the exploits that um, Ness has, has accomplished. And it gets back to the field office in Chicago that uh, Ness actually calls the field office in Chicago. One of his buddies trying to see what the scoop is, where, where they're at in, this, in the process. And the buddy he's talking to says, oh, yeah, the, 
the boss is, is putting, pulling all the strings for you or not. He's trying to get you, uh, nothing less than special agent, you know? And so somebody in the office overhears this conversation, puts two and two together, figures out the conversation is with Ness. Right. And it almost seems like Ness is improperly trying to influence his own promotion into the FBI. So that information gets back to the Chicago field office where the special agent gets this information, the person that's already acting in the special agent role. And so he writes a memo, sends a couple of memos straight over to uh, Hoover, explaining the conversation that was overheard on the phone and also talking about how he doesn't think that Ness is fit for the role. Based on, on Hoover's review of this information, he looks and writes on the file and says, uh, basically, he says, we're not hiring this guy. He's yeah. not for us. So what he does then is still offers the man a job. Hoover offers Ness a job for a, a significant amount less. I want to say a thousand or he so dollars him less. A, he offers him a job he knows he can't accept. Exactly. He makes him an offer he, he has, has to refuse. Right. Because on his on his application, Ness is put his last salary and... So Hoover undercuts him there to say, well, if you really want the job, you'll take it for less than this. This is what we offer you. Yeah. And Hoover never heard anything. And also, back. you're not going to be like an agent in charge, special agent in charge. Right. You're not SAC. You're not ASAC. You're going to exactly. be an agent of the FBI. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's really what you should be striving for here. And our base salary starts exactly. out really well. At this. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it, he's just, you know, he's Elliot Ness. And the, the whole unfitness seemed to come from... The idea of money, that Ness was motivated right. by finances. He had some struggles there because I mean, okay. he made some bad business deals. Uh, yes, he did. As most people who come into money and have fame tend to do for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I think it's because the rest of us don't have money to make business deals, so we don't make <laughs> bad business deals. Right. Uh, but the main thing that I saw that there was a lot of contention over was he, when we said he kind of talked himself up, I mentioned this at the beginning of the LA. Oh, he did, yeah. He definitely did. One of his favorite pastimes was to go to a bar and get rounds of drinks for being Elliot Ness. Yeah. And to talk about all the things he had done to fight Capone and the mob and, yeah. uh, you know, all of his exploits at Kentucky and how he, you know, you name it, he did it. Right. One of the things that, you know, when we're talking about his flamboyance, I guess, one of the things that I read about Ness was that he was quoted by a news outlet saying, it's funny when you back up, when you back up a truck into a brewery, uh, into a brewery door and smash it in. Like that, that right there just says, I'm, this is what I'm here to do and I'm having fun doing it. And it's the law. And it's I'm on I'm on the law side, you know what I mean? So so it kind of just shows that yeah. level of arrogance, that flair. Well, I don't even know if it's arrogance. I feel like he's one of those guys that if he hadn't got in, he might have switched teams and been a mobster. <laughs> I'm just Maybe. saying. I'm not. I'm obviously he didn't, so I well, can't speculate no, like that. I, I don't think so. Because to from, me, and uh, it does seem like he could have easily flipped the coin and been like. Uh, had this, at least he has the same mentality. Maybe that's why I'm thinking that. Well, way. And maybe that's how like, he can like, he's so like, well. look, this is my business. This is what I do. I stop crying. Yeah. Whereas on the flip side, there's a guy like Capone that goes, "This is what I do. I'm a criminal. <laughs> I cry." That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I he's like, that. so I throw TNT through your window. I shoot up your family. I deal. I deal in this. I deal broad. This is what I do. I do protection. It's what I do. There's no yeah. limits to this. There's no rules to this. And Ness is like. I got the law on my side. As long as I stay within these lines, I can back up through your door. I can slam your people on the ground. I can burn your stills. I can take your cash. There's nothing you can do to stop me. Yeah. 
Like, you know, that's that's so how kind of I view. Well, no, I'm just saying he's got the same mentality. He's got the law on his side and he's righteous, but he's still that no holds barred, like Sherman's March to Atlanta. Like, he's down Golly. with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, well, I'm not going to burn Chicago to the ground, but if I have to knock in every door and burn down every brewery and smash every bottle, okay then that's what, I'll, that's what I'll do. Like, yeah. that's where he's at. That's his level. He's up here. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I felt like that. Could he, if he had been a criminal, that's maybe that's what I'm trying to say. If he had been a criminal, mm-hmm. he would have been a pretty damn good criminal. He yeah. would have been like a Charlie Burge at the least. Wow, you know what I'm saying? You, like you putting him up there with the ranks of Charlie Burge himself. Just saying, I'm Get saying, some bullets, kids. I'm just, you don't think so? Like, yeah, I don't think he had. I don't. I don't know if he ever killed anybody because of stories. You know, it's right. so hard. Elliot Ness tells these stories, writes his biography. So been a million right. movies, TV series, books. Story gets talked up, down, everywhere, left, right. He goes to the news and be like, did you hear about that bust on the south side? Says that some rough and tumble guys got their ass kicked by some bureau men. Wouldn't know who they were. Like, points to himself. Yeah. And, like, he's not shy. Which I get is also a tactic. Sure. But he seems to enjoy it as well as it being Oh, no, a he definitely enjoyed it. I, yeah, he Like, he's like, look, it. I'm embarrassing you because I'm putting it on the front page that I came and busted down your door. Well, I mean. At the same time, when they're like. Mr. Ness, would you like to make a note? He's like, oh, I have time. Like, you know, he's not running away from it. Right. And when someone notices him on the street, he's like, hey, he's not like, I'm doing this because of my duty. Right. And I will, I I will smash in every door if I have to, to thank you. Man, that's some Thor like stuff, man. You know what I'm saying? But that's like, like, there's a difference in my mind of somebody that goes in and they're like, Mr. Ness, how are you going to fight crime? And he's like, I'll do everything within my power to stop him. Yeah. I will use every, Every man, every bullet, everything in my in my reach, in my grasp, at my uh, you know, under my control, to come and to find you, take you in. I mean, yeah. And then coming in and be like, "We're going to fight crime," and just walking away, like he's not. No, he's loving it. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, he is McDonald's of the day when it comes to that. Yeah, but so, I mean. All of his arrogance and whatnot, and I'm gonna call it arrogance because that's no, what it is. is. But you know what? In a, in a way, it's justified. It's one of those I, things I when you like. It's like watching a football player, and you're like, "Man, you so cocky! Stop that!" And you're like, "That's also why he makes fifty million dollars I mean, a year." Yeah, you're right, and that's why he's in the NFL. You're right, and that's why he's got Super Bowl rings. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason sometimes, and that's how he is. I, he's I like, he's like. I did kind of take on the mob in Chicago. And win. I did kind of was on the led one of the half of the team that took down Al Capone. And win. <laughs> and yeah. I did kind of go into Kentucky and Tennessee to fight bootlegged in moonshine. And do you right. know where do you know where the best whiskey comes from? Kentucky and Tennessee. I was right there with them, busting up that. If anyone is bootlegging, these guys are bootlegging. Like he didn't shy away from those jobs. No, he didn't. But it's kind of like Again, I, I like him into the machine gun Kelly in this. Was Kelly a criminal? No doubt. Yeah, I guess. But did he do everything he said he did? Did no. he talk himself up? No. Did the media run with it? Did the did the agency run with it? Did everyone run with it to make it look better? And because look, there's this horrible criminal off the streets, right? And he's like, hey, I got a legacy. I'm I'm a name now. Look at me. <laughs> yeah, because he didn't before. And pretty soon, like people, you were making the pop gun Kelly reference, right? When Kelly was in prison. But people do that kind of with Ness. Like, Ness gets in the bar and he starts telling the story and guys are just like off on the side like, Rah. 
oh, here comes a story about how he drove a bulldozer into, you know, into a steel wheel and, you know, knocked the steel down into the lake. And then he dove down there and retrieved a dog that was tied up to it. Like, they know his stories are coming. So, dude, I felt like that was an episode of the 18th. No, I don't think it was the A-Team. It was more like an episode of Futurama. Oh. His stories, I feel like, would have been... <laughs> uh, you know, N- Ness is best known, I think, probably for his role uh, in Capone. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, that, that's not to say he didn't deserve the recognition he got. It's just funny that people can say his name, but I'm not sure that they're aware that there were other people or that he wasn't with the FBI or that his team wasn't actually the one to, like, have their day in court so much. Yeah. Uh, He did have a string of attempts at being a legitimate businessman. Not that he had a string of attempts at illegitimate, but he tried to be a a legitimate businessman. Just to clarify, I'm used to having to say that because of shows. Yeah. (laughs) He is, uh, he tries to be a businessman. It doesn't work out. He actually gets into politician, runs for mayor and stuff. Yeah, doesn't get it. (laughs) Never run, never, never really runs Anywhere close to accomplishing any of these things, no. uh, which leads to his kind of. I mean, if we talk about it, if we're, if we're not, I mean, we're not historians, but we're also not, you know, medical uh, professionals. Sure, but I, I think that it's also kind of led to his clinical depression, which also led to him becoming an alcoholic. Yeah, which I mean, he ran for mayor in '47, mm-hmm. and up to that time, he was considered pretty much a, a functioning alcoholic. Like, he went in, did his jobs and stuff, but it was pretty well known that he was hanging out in bars after hours and drank Um, and did everything. I mean, not to say that, like, hanging out in the bars is a bad thing. I'm just saying, like, he was known to be a functioning alcoholic. Yeah, and if I recall, now, don't quote me on this because I don't remember the source on that, but if I recall, he was married, divorced, and then remarried. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he went, and some of it was due to this. Some of it was due to money, and he became kind of a... After he tried to run for mayor, and he up to that point, he had just been a functioning alcoholic. Doing right. But then he was running, like, medial work, man. I mean, he went from the guy that busted the alcohol. And it was mostly due to, like, he got really heavy into drinking after he didn't become mm-hmm. mayor of Cleveland. He floated around just kind of doing whatever job his name lent itself to. Yeah. Until he landed at a small paper company that was doing, like, the secure paper. Mm-hmm. Oh, L.A.N.S. Perfect fit for security. I mean, well, yeah, true. So, he starts working with the secured... Uh, paper company, and he uses his reputation to grow, and of course, it makes him a better salesman. Because if you're going to buy secure paper for your company that has a, I'm Ilya. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I approve this message. Capone. I approve this message. Right. This is the paper I write on. When the, I when I took down Capone, do you know what kind of paper I had? This right wasn't here. as good as this. Like, paper. This is better. <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's that's. So sad. Um, yeah, it is. No, he did, end, he did end up being able to go on and lead a pretty normal, if not modest, life from the funds that he got from his paper job. Yeah. So, yes, he did end up becoming Michael Scott, but, you know, he uh. still enjoyed... He still enjoyed life, and he got he got on the right track. Uh, the, a lot of reports say there was just that one period of the really heavy drinking. Up until then, he'd been a functional alcoholic. Then he got into a real heavy drinker, and then mm-hmm. went back to just enjoying a little bit of the of the joy juice, and not of the joy juice. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, uh, so I, the question I think that I had that we we didn't touch on until I hadn't had an answer sure. on was uh, why the name the Untouchables? Where'd that come from? Well. Because they were supposedly all 
untouchable. They didn't. You didn't have anything on. Them. So yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. But uh, it all goes back to um, from what I found in my research is that it goes back to the 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 caste system in India, how the untouchables are oh, on the right. level of society, and with Capone's group trying to to uh, mount this level of animosity or, you know, act on this level of animosity that they had towards uh, Ness and his crew, they were, they, they derived, actually Ness came up with the term, the untouchables. I know. And, yeah, he came up with the term, the untouchables was coined. He coined it to the news outlets and they just ran with it. Well, that is interesting. Yeah. Right? Cause I, I, I was researching Elliot Ness specifically. I didn't get into the untouchables so much uh-huh. because I was really worried that that was going to be a rabbit hole. Uh, um, of those guys and their lives and what they ended up doing and where they came from, what made them untouchable, what was their deal and what role did they play. And it's kind of hard in these shows oh, to okay. kind of do that kind of depth because we don't want to have a, you know, a four hour show or like a or three, three hour tour or a three parter. that's just about one guy and his, his role. We have a show. I think that will be a two parter. It's coming up ish. We'll see. We'll see. The point is, uh, there's a lot of things I find ironic and less ironic whenever I'm reading and researching and writing the show. And one of them is that this is probably the least ironic thing, I think, for me. Well, it's I, all right, the Capone died a rich dude crazy with syphilis, right? Right. Ness, the leader of men who turned down offers of six figures in 1920s dollars mm-hmm. to fight bootleggers. Died almost penniless. Yeah. Largely as a result of alcoholism. Yeah, that's, that is dramatic irony right there. And I mean, it is, but I'm like, I it's believe. kind of like a, a unfair turn to me. I'm like, a guy uh, that pours that much and that did that much for the whole nation, whether you agree with prohibition or you don't, he upheld the law. Right. And he did his duty and he stood there and said, you know, I'm not going to do it. I can't be bought. I can't be paid. I can't be stopped. I'm doing this to protect all of us because that's what I'm told to do. Right. But he didn't believe it. I mean, yeah, but still, it just seems like a a, a twist of fate that that guy would end up turning down millions of dollars to die penniless because he was a drunk. <laughs> I, I don't feel like he turned it down to die penniless as a drunk. Well, but, no, I'm just saying but yes, he did. That is, um, that is a bit of a... I mean, that's really, really morbid right there. It is. That's what I was saying. That's what I was saying. Morose. That was the word I Morose, wanted. yes. Um, so, Ness was safety director. We talked about, right? In Cleveland. He was actually the safety director during the time of the Cleveland Torso Murders. Oh. Which is when a, a suspected serial killer mm-hmm. killed probably at least 12 people. It may have been multiple killers. 12 people were killed. And, yeah. That's <laughs> another show for another time. But yeah, probably part of another season. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he didn't solve that one. So Ooh. again, like I said, in his wheelhouse, he's great when it comes to like murders and torsos, mm. serial killers. Maybe no one could have done it, but he was there and didn't. So I don't know. I I've researched that one before. And I feel like uh, Elianus didn't really get involved. He was like, um, no. hands off on this. I mean, yeah, I get Which it. Which I get it. Yeah, it, wasn't he, his, it wasn't in his wheelhouse. It wasn't his thing. He's like, I don't know, guys. I just set up the machine. I don't, you know, I don't run it. Hmm. You guys go and solve problems. 
And the 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 uh, the FBI, <laughs> the IRS agents. See, I almost did it right there. Mm. That actually brought Capone to court were directed by Frank Wilson. I feel like we shouldn't mention that. You should. Uh, and of course, he didn't do it alone. The whole plan came from President Hoover and the Treasury Department. And it was always designed as a two pronged approach. With Ness's job to be to hit the operations, and the men in the IRS to hit the books and the numbers. Mm. Ness and the Untouchables conducted raids. Wiretaps, busted up breweries, raided stills. They did their part. Right. Nothing ill can be said about what they did there. It's just the pop history myth, the pop culture icon of Elliot Ness has always been that he was this FBI man that took down Al Capone and was, you know, completely pure. And the fact is, Elliot Ness never worked for the, <laughs> the never worked, never worked for the FBI. Was a prohibition agent who, in concert with the IRS, mm-hmm. managed to disrupt operations long enough for the IRS to bring a case against Al Capone. At which point, he then moved on to a series of successful and less successful jobs Endeavors, of yeah. varying success and it's, various. Wait, li- wait, hold on, stop. Successful and unsuccessful jobs of varying of success. Well, I'm saying with varying <laughs> success. Like, <laughs> I, mean, I get it, I get okay, it. Right. So I'm saying it was, and various levels of alcoholism. <laughs> like you now. Yeah, no, I just wanted to say very parts of the other, and I was going to edit it. But oh, thanks. cool. Yeah, you're welcome. So, so, I mean, kind of to point out, the Treasury Bureau of Investigation was moved to the Justice Department, but not combined with the Bureau of Investigation. Right. Ah. I so, wanted to say so that we, that way. We the absence to, of evidence is not the evidence of absence. That's right. That's exactly right. There was, before the FBI had it, you're right. The Bureau of yeah. Investigations was under the Treasury Department along with the, Pro- the Prohibition Bureau and the IRS. Right. However, the what was the Prohibition Agency was never folded into what would become the FBI. Correct. And the FBI stands behind that. And you can read that on their website. Correct. So I think that we've seen, like over the season, we've seen a lot of transition in between, uh, maybe not transition, we've seen uh, a paradigm shift in the thought process of the law enforcement to eventually lead us to where we are today in terms of the FBI and law enforcement in general. Uh, we had we had organizations where you could get out of jail on good behavior, where you had investigators who were not armed with weapons who would go and get police from local law enforcement office to act as their sword and shield, so to speak, when they go to confront criminals. And then I think we at some point in time realized that that is the, a dumb idea. About Kansas City type. I'd say. About, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Dumb idea. And then Little we, Bohemia. Uh, yeah. And then we decide to arm our police force or arm our investigative units. Our federal. Federal investigation units. I think it's important because we also see at the beginning when we're talking about the FBI, Mm -hmm. there's a very quick shift at this period between the names agency. They're still restructuring. They're still figuring out what their idea is. As you said, this whole thing is shifting not only in name, but this comes with being under the Treasury Department, the Department of Justice, the Attorney General. Where do you, you know, they have to build these agencies from the ground up. One Right. Yeah. At the time prohibition comes into it, we talked about that at the end of the 19th century is when you get the idea, right? Mm-hmm. Teddy Roosevelt makes it happen. So we're talking within 10, 20 years, this whole span from ground floor, we have an idea, to Elliot Ness, known yeah. crime fighter. And he honestly, Elliot Ness probably becomes the biggest name out of there because people didn't know the FBI, didn't know all of this. Right. It was moving around so much then. And plus, 
as much as J. Edgar Hoover wants to be that guy, wants to be the face of law enforcement in America, Elliot Ness gets that. Yeah, because he's the one doing the work. Because well, because he's the one going to the papers. Oh, well, okay, that's true. Which I mean, is still both, part of both, doing the work, both, though. Both. Yeah, it's still part of doing the work. Both, but I'm saying the real reason that he, well, I mean, he's publicizing. Hoover's the FBI. doing work. I mean, I don't feel like that's fair to say he's uh, not. Well, no, 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 hold on. I mean, of course, Hoover's doing the work. Doing work, but what I'm saying is, he Hoover's not out there publicizing the FBI. Well, well that's what I'm saying. He's not. He's not going to the papers. Yeah, they're both doing work, but he's not going. Lots of agents are doing like work. a doctor or an architect. The way I foster. Because my right-hand man is my mic stand and the microphone that I own is my Three songs in one <laughs> show. Ah, yes. Uh, but I, I do feel like that Elliot Ness, one of the reasons his legacy has continued and continues on yeah. is because he became that first face of law enforcement in the 20th century. I agree. And so one thing I want to I want to say. Like maybe, Wyatt Earp gets that uh, rap right. for, the, for the latter half of the eight, 19th uh, century, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so what I, I wonder is, in the age where information is readily available, are, are heroes going to continue to exist, or is their legacy, their image, in jeopardy? And what I mean by that is, we talk about Elliot Ness here, and we talk about how we, we've learned that he may not have been as straightforward as a guy, or as a staunch a uh, member of the anti-crimeing society, as we would have thought, anti-corruption. Well, I, I, but, I think he was anti. I think he was all of that. I would point right. out. I think was he this pure white lamb that people make him out to be? Probably not. But but if you give in one time, does that that one time, that one mistake, that one lapse in judgment, does it do you, does it really? Carry the weight that can disrupt your entire legacy? Should it? It's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think it depends. So, uh, listeners, Shalom's question stands. Uh, I'd like to hear about that. I would, too. Can, can heroes survive in a day and age when we have social media, when we have citizen journalists, when we have just an open, connected world where there's really no corners to really go hide? That people of repute would be. Like, sure, you can move to Antarctica or parts of the third world that don't have great internet access or any internet access or roads. True. And hide out. But can somebody like Elliot Ness, can a crime fighter or criminal or anyone like this exist in a day and age where everything's under scrutiny and where all your secrets can be known with a few clicks in the mouth? It's a damn good point. Or a background check. Well, yeah. Or some hacking. I mean, there's 400-pound guys in basements everywhere just waiting to get a hold of Why do they got to be 400-pound guys in basements, man? That's that's, uh, Uh, a joke. It's a reference. uh, That's that's disturbing. But, um, yeah, I'd like to know whether or not you could do it. Because I I think there are some people. Because I think there are some people that are legitly who they are. Okay. I I mean, like, here's my thing. Does let me ask you a question? Sure. That follows up on you. Ask. Away. Does knowing what you know after researching this about Elliot Ness make you feel like he was a less of a crime fighter? That he somehow did less because you we we clearly know the facts on this one. He's dead. He did his part. He did stop these things. He did do these raids. He did. Yeah. He did help bring down Al Capone. He did uphold the law. He did fight moonshining. He did fight bootlegging. 
So, I mean, to me, the answer is, is yes. It diminishes the value of his, his, uh, contribution slightly. And because, and, and then th- this is the reason his why. His contribution or his legacy? Why do you put it that way? Both, in a sense. So let okay. me, let me kind of talk about why. When and why it doesn't work the other way. When you're a criminal, you're doing, you're, you're criming. So your legacy is a legacy of criming. If you do anything outside of the criming, like making a, a good gesture, like as in you no, say. No, no, no. <laughs> Let's say you found out that Al Capone knitted sweaters. Uh, I would be okay with that. You know, I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't diminish his legacy. It would be, I'd be a little weird. Like, why are you knitting sweaters? Maybe he's doing it as a cat sweaters. Room. He does cat sweaters. Um, he and his grandma glasses. So, man, maybe he's doing it to stress relief. I mean, I, that's fine, but maybe I, I'm just saying, does it doesn't it doesn't diminish him? But it doesn't diminish, and that's what I'm pointing okay. out is it doesn't diminish his his legacy, his contribution to the crimeing society. Whereas Elliot Ness, because of the character that he built or the the the, the uh, image that was projected, the image that was projected, right? It, have, finding out that he drinks makes him it diminishes it slightly. He has makes you wonder, how, like, because I think in his case. If you found out he had a different problem, like it was a womanizer, you would still diminish it. It would diminish it, but I think it would not be to less the same, because the thing is, yeah. he was a prohibition agent. He fought prohibition. He fought the mob, and then you turn around right. and find out that he is guilty of the same thing that, that he, he was, would have. Yeah. That he that he's a right. fan of alcohol. Right? How yeah. did you do what you did when you're doing it too? Yeah, no, exactly. And there's that there's that main piece that brings it down some. But if we even look past that at the fact that there were opportunities where he turned a blind he turned a blind eye. To um, a brewery being in in effect, and just put the information but, in his pocket. But my you know? my question on that, I guess, is: Did he turn a blind eye, or because this is never, to my knowledge, I know what you're referring to. He's never he's never confronted with this information, right? They never walk up right. and say, "Elliot, we need to talk to you." It's true. I mean, that's true. And so he goes, "All right, here's the deal: We are putting the squeeze on." Some north side out operations in yeah. the area. I let that one stand because then it meant that they would be flooded and I knew that they would have to move their operations to here. I let a little fish off to catch the bigger fish. I'm just saying, I, mean, I don't, good. I don't, good point. with the one instance that we're referring to, I think it's very hard to draw the conclusion that he was somehow corrupt. So I think, I think you're right, but I think Especially also- when he turned down money, like letting, letting, letting that go gets him nothing other than I could see a strategic advantage. In his actual work. Turning down money from other people. That's a good point. Sure. He doesn't want to be in Capone's pocket. Sure. He doesn't want to do other stuff. And I've heard all kinds. There's conspiracy theories about. Mm-hmm. About Elliot yeah, Nets. Yeah. And whether or not he really was or whether or not he wasn't. And yeah. Who he was really working for. And I think that's fair. You know what I mean? But the question, the question is... You know, does it, should it diminish his value or does it, it actually does diminish his contribution and it actually, it's a detriment to him and his legacy versus the alternative of Al Capone were to knit cat sweaters. You know what I mean? It's, it's, and it's, it's a double standard, but it's how things work. When you set this, this precedence that you are up here, moral code up here to this level, uh, you know, to the, to the hundredth degree. I, I personally do not find it that way. Mm-hmm. So I'm. I think I was speaking more along the lines of for the the um, the thought process of the actions. Me personally, for me, I I don't feel that it's the Beowulf type of type of scenario. You know, Beowulf is this hero who goes through this process of slaying Grendel, 
right? It's the Grendel's the first mm-hmm. one he slays, and then at the end he 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 sleeps with the with the the monster, and his child is the one that's coming back that he's going to have to kill later on. So he's married and a king, and ends up having to kill his own child I, later on. My my thing on this is I still don't know that Elliot Ness was. I can't imagine him, and maybe it's, I'm polluted. Again, I'm biased here because I grew up in an age where I have this image of Elliot Ness, where I have this information, where I've been yeah. told about Elliot Ness up until this point in my life. I don't think he was drinking, colluding, and doing all those things during the time of Prohibition. And perhaps not. And I, I think that, to me, it shows more of a moral fiber that he's like, this guy, if he had been, would have been a horrible drunk. and would have never accomplished anything because that's what kind of ends up happening to him. Yeah. So he had the fortitude to be like, can't do that right now. Gotta go save the world. And then came back and was like, all right, now that it's legal, I'm gonna I can totally do yeah. it. But I, I, I waited. That. That's the point. I could see that. Like, that's the thing to me is like, he was like, they were like, would you, would you like a drink? He's like, I'd love a drink. You're under arrest. I can't <laughs> drink it. I can't. It's against the law. <laughs> I would yeah. love to, but it's against the law. Yeah. And then the moment afterwards, he walks in the same bar, and the guy's like, "You want a drink?" And he's like, "It's not illegal, so hook me up." Yeah. You know, like good point. Just to have that kind of fortitude to me really does make me think it wasn't just about the money and oh, I might get caught and all this. Yeah. No, it wasn't just about fame and fortune that he didn't find. Dude was seriously legit, like just one of those people that you meet every once in a while. That's like. No, I don't. Really yeah. don't. You know, like, you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't, you know, you, you don't womanize, you don't manize, you don't, you don't do anything. Nothing. I mean, I get it. And they're like, no, I, I, I stay at home with my cats and I, I watch true TV and I, I bake lasagnas. It's like, Thanks, Garfield. Yeah. Wow. That would be Jim. Uh, John, you mean, you mean John. That would be John. I'm in Jim Davis. Oh, ha, nice. Well played. Well played, sir. Well played. Yeah. It's like, they're not real people. <laughs> it's like, well played. Well played. <laughs> anyway, that concludes this yeah, episode. This has been another iteration of the Not Historians Podcast. I'm your host, Shalom. I'm Desmond. And shout out to all you guys in podcast land, and especially our patrons. Shout out to you. And Ray to Ray Walden, Walden Jr. Jr. Yeah, boy. <laughs>